Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me on Twitter there. And this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate. We review some things. What did some of the top players do in uh, GPPs? What strategies did they take? And and uh, and and take a look at today's slate to, to some extent, right? It's 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern by 7 o'clock lock time. Everything has changed, so it doesn't really matter that much. But we can talk about general strategies. Uh, uh, as always, I see the, the YouTube people. I see Frederick Duke. I see Card Fan. I see Shane Newman, Tony Tishauer, Mike B, A. Dean, Kagan Hopkins. Right? I feel like Romper Room. Isn't that isn't that what they do in Romper Room? Am I am I that old? And am uh, there are there people in the audience that know what Romper Room was with the mirror, Miss Molly, and the, I could see you. And it's like they name people from the from the audience and you send in your names or whatever. And it's supposed to, it's supposed, it's supposed to make, make four-year-olds feel special that, that they could see you through the television. It's kind of a little creepy, but whatever, but I can see you. And, uh, and, and I always prioritize you in the YouTube chat. You know why? Cause you give me those thummy thumbs, go to YouTube, give me those thummy thumbs, thumbs up, thumb, thumbs down. If you want, it doesn't, I don't think it matters that much, right? You got to keep my, uh, today I'm going back to the Apple mango. So I got apple, the mango apple. It really should be called mango apple. So in order to keep it cold, you you, you keep the thumbs up up. You hit the subscribe button. You hit the notification bell to, to let you know when we go live. And we, we, we typically go live on, on this YouTube channel uh, weekdays, uh, 11 in the morning for, for this show, DFS pregame show, and then Grinders Live at around uh, 5.30. Depends on depends on, uh, on the NBA slate that day. Typically an hour, an hour and a half before because it's Grinders Live, then crunch time for premium members. And if you want to get premium, click on that link in the description below for $10 off your first month. A lot of stuff I do show on this show is, is, is premium, not results DB. Results DB you could get for free on rotogrinders.com slash results DB. But, uh, but I do show off some of the tools here. I answer a bunch of your questions. We have Devin, Devin, the uh, fabulous multitasking producer in, in the, in the chat, uh, Give, sending out those links right here. Uh, so, uh, so in the chat, am I doing NFL content this weekend? Yes, me, me and Tambo, me and Tambo. Uh, it, it's free. It's not. It's not premium. Uh, are going to be uh, live uh, about an hour before NFL lock on uh, tomorrow and Sunday. So, if you want to tune into that, uh, that that will be this this weekend. I mean, NFL's winding down. I'm I'm in I'm in NBA mode. Maybe I shouldn't have been in NBA mode yesterday. I had a horrible day yesterday. Horrible day. If I can't come on here and show the good days without the bad days. So if I look at my, my cash game bankroll tracker, right? We saw the day before on the 13th. Oh, great day, right? Made a whole main uh, around 1500 or whatever. Well, this was a bad day. This is when you lose across all three slights. Uh, yeah, that's an, especially in FanDuel where you completely, you, know, you get, you get dusted, right? You know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big swing. So Although the number went down, still profitable for the year, right? The FanDuel numbers are coming down. The DK numbers are coming stri- slightly back up. Yahoo, not doing all that well. So uh, so you see, this is why I show it, because this is the ups and downs of playing DFS. You're not going to win every day. In fact, in cash games, if, if you could win more than 55% of the time, then you're profitable. And understand that 80, 90% of people can't even do that, Okay. So I, that's why I like showing the ups and the downs of uh, of the uh, 
of, of, of cash games on, on DraftKings. Because uh, uh, last last night, it was just a matter of like, there's so much there's so much cheap value. Like, which ones do you take? And then which studs do you take? That was the whole game yesterday, right? That was the whole game of the Houston guys, right? The Miami guys, and then the studs, right? Because we had, you know, Harden was traded. So we had, obviously, everyone's underpriced on Houston. So you got Ben McLemore, Sterling Brown, Christian Wood, Jashon, Jayshon Tate. P.J. Tucker, David Nawaba, Mason Jones, whoever, whoever was going to play. They, they, all of them were cheap and they had to play a bunch. And then you still had the Miami guys that were running with an eight-man rotation. So they were priced up a little. So you had Hero, you had Gabe Vincent, you had uh, Precious Achua, you had Kelly Olynyk, you had Andrea Gadala, you got uh, Duncan Robinson. So they were going to play an eight-man rotation. So they, they, they're going to see as many minutes as they could handle. So just a matter of uh, what... What value did you plug in? And then what pay-up options? Most likely you were playing wood, right? Most likely you were playing, you know, two, at least two or three of the Rockets guys. You may have been playing hero in the in the point guard spot, wood at center. And then it's just a matter of your last three spots where did you play Sabonis, Brogdon, Jokic, Curry, Nurkic, Lillard, McCollum, like some type of combination of that, right? Some people play Curry, Jokic. They did very well. Some people played uh, Sabonis Lillard, not so much, right? Sabonis did fine, but Lillard, the, you know, the, the Trailblazers, they got they got kind of blown out, right? So that was same for the same for the Sixers and the Heat, right? They got blown out. So like Embiid didn't get there. Simmons, I mean, got there enough, I guess. But uh, really, the construction came down to what cheap value and then what studs. And then if you like paid up and you played. Uh, you know, if you, if you played a LaMelo ball, if you played part of that Toronto-Charlotte game, P.J. Washington, if you played Keldon Johnson alongside uh, your, your Houston guys, or if you played Shake Milton at 2% owned, like in, in, a, in a shooting guard spot, like that that's how you got to the top of GPPs uh, yesterday. So looking through the YouTube chat, uh, Ryan Vreeland says, hey, Jordan, I won my first GPP. Oh! Hit the thumbs up button, everyone. He won his first GPP, the 4K hotshot, three max last night. Just wanted to say thank you. I try to listen just about everything you put out. First year playing NBA, and you have been great. Yes, yes, I read all my positive comments. Yes, so why not? But he won his first GPP, Ryan Vreeland. It doesn't, hey, even, even if you're winning like the nickel contest or the $1 contest, you got to start somewhere, okay? So while a screenshot of $1,000 or something, you know, to, to to a lot of people may be like, okay, that isn't that big of a win, right? In the grand scheme of things, it isn't that big. But if, you, if you're playing on a small bankroll and you're learning how to play, you got to start somewhere, right? You're playing the quarter arcade. You're playing the dime time. You're playing, you know, the nickel contest on FanDuel, the $1 single entry three max where, you know, 500 bucks is first place. Like you have to start somewhere. So don't, don't feel ashamed for coming in first in a small contest or whatever. That's how you learn. And then you move up. That's exactly what I did. I started with 400 bucks on DraftKings and I was playing the same exact things. You learn how to, you learn how to play. You, you make a ton of mistakes in the beginning. You learn to get better and then you move up in stakes. And then, then you're playing the, the, the $3, 20 max. And then you're playing the $15 fadeaway or the eight, what back then, at least it was like eight bucks. And then if you win one of those, that's, that's a lot of money. Then you're winning five to six figures. 
So, so I don't, I don't want to poo poo at all that, you know, won, won the 4k hot shot three match, but why not it, winning anything? It's all, all these contests and GPPs are top heavy. So compared to the entry fee that you put in, like that's a pretty good payday. That's good, good, good ROI. Let's see. Uh, Nick Chappelle asked, where can I find that bankroll tractor sheet? Yeah, uh, uh, Devin could push, put a link in the description. It's tractor.theoryofdfs.com. That's that's the quick link to it. Because, I mean, obviously, it's a Google Sheets link. But if you go to tractor.theoryofdfs.com, it'll send you right. And you could, you could look at it anytime you want. I update it every day. Okay. Chris Galligan asks, how do you handle all these bums? <laughs> These bums on these COVID slates, do we just eat it and hope for the best? Yeah. If you could take take a look, take a look at the, the constructions of, a, of a, a sharper players. I, I brought up a whole bunch. Uh, it's Pat, Squirrel Patrol, Kishboo, Giant Squid, Brick 75, Papa Gates, Ending, Bills Fan, DeCults. Like, like they all ate the Houston guys to some extent. Some a little bit more than others, but I mean, you weren't getting away. I mean, Ending did a did a, you know didn't play much didn't really didn't pretty much faded wood, but still played Mark McLemore Brown and Jay, even Jay Sean. No, Jay Sean Bill's fan faded. Cause he played a bunch of like Mason Jones, right? I saw it down here. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to play the other guard off the bench. Mason Jones was 1.42% owned and Bill's fan played 77% of them. Right. And obviously has less McLemore. And the difference between, well, what did Mason Jones actually score? 10, 10.25. So it's not, not all that much worse than McLemore yesterday. So, but you can see that, that even in these large field GPPs, when you have guys that are going to be playing 30, 35 minutes that are 3K, and, and there's, no, there's no high usage player on the team. I mean, Chris Wood, that's like the highest usage player on the team. Like, you're going to have to eat that to some extent. Sterling Brown was, what, 3,200 something, 3,400? 3,000, he put up 41 points. You need him, right? If you didn't play Sterling Brown, especially at a weak small forward position yesterday. Like I put him in all five of my GPP lineups because who else was I playing at small forward? Small forward, he was he was by far the best projected small forward play and he was cheap. So I'm just going to eat it and build around him. Chris Wood, I can understand fading in a lineup, right? We see right here with, with, uh, with ending, right? Who didn't play much. Like I probably has him in what one or two lineups. He played a lot of Jokic Nurkic lineups. Cause you see Jokic 81% Nurkic 96%. A lot of sharp players did play a lot of Nurkic. He projected very well. He got injured in the third corner, hurt his thummy thumbs. He hurt his thummy thumb. He actually fractured his wrist, but it looked like he looked like he hurt his thumb. So if you want use of Nurkic to get better, hit those thumbs, right? Hit the like button. Right, he's going to be out for a while. He'll be out for probably what two or three months or something. So uh, in season-long formats, go pick up Venus Cantor. That that's probably a good thing. Uh, but we take a look at at their constructions. I, I go back. They're going to eat the the chalk yesterday. The cheap chalk, like even Macklemore projected extremely well. He just didn't do anything. But still, it's not like other than like Papa Gates here and Bills fan who went under. They didn't not play them. Most sharp players ate, ate that cheap chalk. Precious Achua, most of them pretty much ate it. Tyler Hero, they could go under, right? Because he was 7,300, okay? That, that, that's understandable. Jay Sean Tate was 30% owned. 
many of them played a bunch. Bills fan didn't, but Bills fan went like the other way and played the subsidiary Rockets. That was his strategy. But like Gabe Vincent, if you were going to play, uh, uh, a if you were going to play hero and you weren't going to play like one of the cheap Rockets guys, Gabe Vincent was 4,200. He put up 35 points. Why not that? Nawaba. I mean, you could see, you know, see how Hishbu didn't have any Nawaba. Score Patrol, barely any Nawaba. Surprised Nawaba was 20% owned. I would have, I didn't, I didn't play him, but I mean, I expected him to come in at 10, but a lot of people didn't make the adjustment when, when Nawaba was not announced in the starting lineup. It was expected beforehand that Nawaba would start for Jay Sean Tate, right? It would be one of the two. You expected Brown, McLemore, Nawaba, Tucker, Wood, and then they switched it up. And a bunch, and obviously sharp players just jammed in Jay Sean Tate in that instance and took a, a, away a lot of their Nawaba exposure. Then we have guys like Brick 75, Papa Gates, the Colts, played a ton of DeMarcus Cousins. Came in at 17% owned versus Wood at 42% owned. Did they play them together? I mean, yeah, well, still, Papa Gates still had a bunch. Brick 75 still had a bunch, right? They still had still a bunch of Wood. They still had a bunch of Wood. But obviously, because we, we thought maybe it's uh, possible that Wood and Cousins play together on the court at the same time. And, and Cousins was 4,700. And we know his, I mean, he, with no one else on the court, I mean, he, he's a one, one and a half, you know, fantasy point per minute player. So if Cousins was going to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes, I mean, he could put up 30, 35 points for 4,700. And that was, that was well within his range of outcomes. It didn't happen, but it was within his range of outcomes. But you could see, you could go into results DB any day. You can take a look at slates from a week ago if you want, right? NFL slates, PGA slates, showdown slates. I mean, you take a look up here, tiers even. I don't know if you want to. The classic slate, the, the late slate. And you see, let me go back to the slate. I go back here. I could guys select anything I want. I could see contests, like all these contests. Look, look at all this. The double ups. I mean, obviously, the multiple posted $50 double ups. Right, you can go to anything. So I could go right here. Let's say I want to go to uh, uh, the, the, the Hall of Famer. The 2120 contest. Is that good? That's a 31 person contest. Okay, any, something a little bit, bit small. Okay, here, the putback dunk. Here's, here's, here's one that I play the 250 four max. And you can take a look. You can take a look at individual lineups. So, for instance, in this contest, I, I think I just min-cast. I think I was in here. Right, here you go. Right, see, yeah, I min-cast. So here's like a lineup that I played. I'm playing Gabe Vincent, Kelly Olenek. I'm playing three Houston guys. I'm playing three Miami guys, three Houston guys, and Kareem Jokic, right? Could kind of correlate to each other. Right, just it seemed that obviously... Miami couldn't stay competitive enough for Olenek to get there. And then uh, obviously Ben McLemore just said, screw you. But I mean, type of lineup to construct for a small field. This is like a 400, 500 person contest. So how much leverage do I need? Right. I ate a lot of chalky guys, but I still have 13% Olenek, 21% Vincent. 
so I could eat that even in, a, in that small of a contest. But you could go here and you could look, right? Seashaw won. This is the one that won with Max Struss at 1% and Jamal Murray and Kelly Oubre. A little, a little, a little bit over leveraged in my opinion, but, but it got there, right? You still played the two. You've still played the three main Houston guys. You pretty much needed Wood, Tate, Brown. Okay, you got that. Then he Curry Jokic, right? And then it didn't matter. Then who cares if it was Max Struss or or Ubre Murray? It didn't, it didn't really matter at that point. As long as you got the main pieces, if you got Curry Jokic and three Houston players, you probably did very well. B Dutton. Let's take a look at this. Four Houston players. Oh, and no, oh, no Curry, no. Oh, it's still have Jokic. We got Deontay Murray, Lamelo Ball. Okay, so he, he almost got there. I mean, he was six points behind. Third place. Still got the three Houston pieces, Curry Jokic, right? Curry Jokic, three Houston pieces, RBX, same type of line. I mean, look, look, it's all tied. Total roll, same, yeah, it's the same lineup, essentially. Nick the Stick, Curry Jokic, three Houston pieces, Brogdon, Achua, Boucher. These types of contests where there's only 445 entries, like you don't, like you don't have to get nuts. 16% 16% Boucher is, is, is enough. You, you, you're good, right? Like up here. Yes, Max Struss, but this could have been anyone. I mean, at 3,100, you could have played anyone at this point. Murray, just so happened that you got it together. But as long as you had Curry, Jokic, and the three Houston guys, like you were probably good in these contests. But if we go back, let's say we go back to the large field contest, right? Go to the fadeaway. They look at the top score of the fadeaways, 371.5. Like you needed Shake Milton, right? You needed a 1.93% don't Shake Milton, right? You needed that. Even PJ Washington put up a nice score, but that could have been anyone. I mean, that could have been, you could have played Keldon Johnson. You could have played anyone, but you pretty much needed Shake Milton to win the a contest with 39,000 people, right? Still ate the chalk, right? You still have Brown and Wood, didn't have Jay Sean Tate. Didn't need him. He had Shake Milton at 1%. Played Ball, Washington, Boucher from the same game. Played Vincent, Milton, Brown, Wood. I mean, this is a, this is a large field lineup. Like, that's the difference. This is a large field lineup, and the one from before is a small field lineup. So when people ask, well, what's the difference? Like, how do I build con- build lineups for the contest? That's why you have to start with contests. People start, most most average DFS players start with players. What players should I play? Then how do I fit them in a lineup? And then what contest should I play? Like, should I enter this in? And it should be the other way around. What contest are you playing? I'm playing the $50,000 the, the $50, fadeaway, 39,000 entries. So it's like, okay, well, now, now, now you know you're gonna, you have to get the little... You have to get risky, right? So now it's like, well, I want to play Sterling Brown and Bill Macklemore and Wood, and I'm going to play uh, Tyler Hero. And like, it's like at some point you're going to have to, at some point you're going to have to tell me a name that 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 just makes me shocked because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to beat nearly forty thousand people playing your cash line. Like you're not it's, you're not you're not going to have enough leverage. So. You're playing this contest. What type of lineup do you build for this contest? This type of lineup. Take a shot on Jake Milton, right? Fade Macklemore at 50 plus percent ownership. Take a shot on Boucher or Washington or LaMelo 
You're still eating some of the chalk? Yeah, sure. You're still eating brown and wood. You're getting much more different than you would in the other contest. So this high score was 371 and a half for 39,000 entries. But we go back to the, the, the contest that I showed before, the putback dunk. It's a 444 entry contest. All you need is was 351. You don't need as much leverage. I mean, just so happened that the winning lineup has a lot of leverage. But I mean, all these lineups are 342.75. I mean, look, I mean, kind of look how chalky this is. You could build these lineups, but this lineup in a large field in the fadeaway may not be, this may not be leveraged enough, right? You're on your way, but maybe you have to like get rid of like a Ben Macklemore or you pivot to a Nurkic from wood and then you go up somewhere to get you a little bit more, to get to get up the scale. There's 445 entries. It's much, much, much different than uh, 39,000. You can see even less than that if we go back, like let's go to like a contest like, uh, like I showed with the 2120, 31, the Hall of Famer for 2120. Right, that 3425 line, right, the lineup we just looked at won that contest. Split first, 17,500. Literally that same lineup, right? The lineup that came in fourth or tied for third a bunch of ways in the in the four in the the four hundred forty-five person contest won the thirty-one person contest, right? But you go to you go to the you you go you go to the thirty-nine thousand dollar right? You go to like let, let's see the three fifty-one and three forty-two. Like we're gonna go to the fadeaway now. What's 341 and 352? I mean, it's not even on the screen. Like how much? Okay, three, 351, that's like 300 bucks. You come in like 85th place. So the, so if you played that lineup from the, from the 254 max, the 445 person contest in the large field, $39,000 con, 39,000 person contest, like that's an 85th place payout, 300 bucks. Then we go down to 342. Where's 342 here? Let's go. Let's keep on scrolling. Did they even okay? Three forty-two point seven five. So beating thirty-one people, whatever in that twenty-one twenty, the high stakes contest, like that same type of lineup is three hundred and thirty-fourth place in the large field, right? Because you you only have to beat thirty other people. These contests you have to beat thirty-nine thousand other people. So it's not it's not about like what players, what lineups, and then thinking of oh, what contest do I feel like playing? Think in terms of the opposite. What contests am I playing? What do lineups that win these types of contests look like? Essentially how correlated or leveraged they are. And then how do I find players that fit that type of construction? That type, And there could be a hundred different types of constructions. We see here in results DB. I mean, we, if I could go back to where I was, I should have multiple tabs. Go back and you see that top players, sharp GPP players, find multiple angles, tens, fifties, hundreds, different types of angles. Well, play, pay up. It's I, I had a lineup that I paid up for Jokic and Embiid because people were going to pay down for Wood and Nurkic. And I built the lineup that way. That didn't get there, but that was a viable angle to go. You could probably find a hundred angles to go on a slate that fit the lineup and the, and the contest. So thinking in terms of do who do I play today, you're, you're thinking you're thinking that 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 should be your first thing. That should be your last thing. Your last thing. Your first thing should be what contest am I playing? 
because that'll that'll determine what type of lineups and what players you're rostering. Yesterday, I'm pl- I, I I was playing the small field contest, that 445 person contest. Like that was the biggest contest that I was playing. So I look. I even go here. I even make a little. I I even make a little little notes. I even write them out. Right. I don't necessarily. I mean, I look at lineup HQ, but sometimes I write it out. I just write down like who are the highest rejected players and what their positions are and what their smash percentage is. That's all. That's all I want. And it's a reference point because if in a 445 person contest, why do I have to play anyone other than these guys? Right. Why do I have to? And you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it irks me. I had Milton here. You see, I had Milton. I, I crossed him out when he wasn't starting. Right. I had him. I had him here. I had Milton. I had Milton. It's right there. Right. Right. Cause I have all the Miami guys and then I have Embiid and then I have, Oh, Milton. And I crossed him out. And I also, there was tons of point guards and shooter guards available, but like I do that because like when I'm playing large field contests, now I'm going to play a lot more players than these, right? I'm going to play guys that, that less people are playing, but in a, in a 400 person contest, I mean, how, how, how much different do I have to get? I could just play the top 20, 25, whatever, highest projected guys, and, and I'm good. Just make a good combination. Make a whole bunch of combinations of them. Get different in one or two spots, and you're fine for those types of contests. So that that's why I, 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 I always talk about when people ask me about players. They go, well, what do you think of so-and-so today? It's like, I, what am I supposed to think? Right? Well, do you think he's a good play? Well, it depends on the contest, and it depends on the lineup. Right, you're starting. You're starting from the end. You need to tell me the beginning of what you're doing. Well, I'm playing large. I'm playing a large field contest, and I'm already playing a lineup that has stupid chalk in it. What do you think of this other stupid chalk player? I'd say you shouldn't be playing him. You'd be find, finding a way to get leverage because now you're building a cash lineup. Do I know what's going to happen today? No, of course not. So I, I hope that's not the vibe. And we we have projections, and you see the range of outcomes, and build the best lineups you can. So looking back in the YouTube chat, hopefully you're giving me the likes. Let's see if they, the apple mango juice, which really should be called ma- mango apple. Because they taste mostly mango. Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Let's see. Jay Jasner uh, asked about going over the general setting in lineup HQ. Uh, you mean the build rules page? We have we have tutorials about that on uh, on Roto Grinders. If if you go to the Roto Grinders video page under tutorials, there are a ton of them. And I've I've done even in it, free and in premium. I've gone over in NBA and NFL and all the sports like all, all, what all the settings of lineup HQ do. So feel free to feel free to go check those videos out. Going through the chat. You feel free to type in the chat, even if I'm, you know, I'm scrolling back, you know, possibly 15 or 20 minutes in chat just uh, just to find questions. If you're here in YouTube live, you're my priority. The podcast people, hey, uh, hey, podcast people out there. If you're listening to me later on the podcast feed, if you didn't know, there is a podcast feed, the DFS pregame show podcast feed. You could find it in iTunes. Rate and review it there. Right, a lot of the reviews are about Dan Bach because it used to be the Daily Fantasy Fix feed. So I want I want good words about me now since it's since since it's the DFS pregame show feed. So go there. But all you podcast people out there, I know you can't see me waving because you just have it in audio. Uh, 
if you if you if you if you're listening to this, going, oh, I wish I could ask. I, I, I'm there to ask a question. Well, show up, show up, eleven o'clock in the morning, or you could you could always email me. You could always email me at, at Jordan at Theory of if you have any questions. Doesn't mean I'm going to respond immediately, like like for like for a slate. But if you have general strategy questions, you you could you could always email me. I have no problem. I, I get back to pretty much everyone. Okay. Uh, Jack Koff says, Blender, thoughts on you being a rich, greedy bum hunter in the $1 FanDuel head-to-heads? I could play the $1 head-to-heads. Why wouldn't I? I'm not a bum hunter. I don't I don't even take people's head-to-heads. I just post. All I do is post. I play, I play most of my volume in my career, in my DFS career, on DraftKings. So on DraftKings, I cannot play $1 head-to-heads. I cannot play $2 head I can't play those games. I can't play low stakes. FanDuel, I've barely played on FanDuel. My total volume on FanDuel is quite minimal compared to DraftKings. DraftKings, I've almost 2 million in lifetime entries. And then on DK, if you have 1 million or more, pretty much, like you get restricted from the low stakes. I don't know what that is on FanDuel, but there's some threshold like that on FanDuel and I'm nowhere near it because I, I just never played often enough on FanDuel. So to, to FanDuel, I'm not really much of an experienced player. I mean, I have experienced bads there. Yeah, sure. I have the little filled in star circle, whatever, but, uh, but no, so I could play the low stakes games and why wouldn't I, I want to play against the weakest competition that I could possibly find. Doesn't be, Hey, does, Hey, there are plenty of great people that play $1 and two lot of games, but at five bucks, I'm, I'm running into the same sharper players that I'm running into on DraftKings. So Complaint to FanDuel, if anything, there's, I'm going to play as many, I play uh, my cash lineup, 300, 400 contests on, on, on FanDuel. I just fill up every, every time I go to the bathroom, I go and I'm like, okay, go to that 50, 50 lobby or the multiplier lobby. And just like go to the right, all the way to the bottom, you know, the 50, the 50 mans and the hundred mans. And just like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in dollar here, dollar here, dollar here, dollar here. It's a pain in the ass. But why wouldn't you? That's that that strategically from an EV perspective, that's what you that's what you should be doing. The whole point of DFS is to beat other people. I have no problem if someone if someone that is the worst DFS player in the world, the worst, wants to play me for five thousand dollar heads up a day, I wouldn't even be playing those contests. I'd just play that guy or that girl or that whoever. That's all you should be looking at. This is this is not about pride. It's about making money. That's at least to me. That that's my goal is to make money. And if FanDuel is going to allow me to, why wouldn't they? I, they don't know me from from anything. Yahoo! I was inexperienced for a whole while now. I, now I'm a veteran. Now I can't I can't play in the in the less experienced contest. Okay, well that's their platform. But that's what you should be doing. It's not about pride. It's about making money. If you're playing this seriously, it's about what's the easiest money you could make. So go after it. Play the weakest people you could possibly find. So why wouldn't I play the smallest stakes? Daniel Tunk says, am I the only one who can't find FanDuel info on ResultsDB? That's not just you. Uh, we don't have FanDuel uh, ResultsDB. And that's not because we don't want to have it at Roto-Grinders. It's that that FanDuel does not have uh, publicly you know, downloadable CSVs. So complain to them, if anything. Let's see. 
Uh, Daniel Tunks it's, it also says, with that said, would studying these lineups on DK translate much to FanDuel? Yeah, the lineup constructions and the positional constraints are going to be so much different. So no, so pro- probably not. Because you, you, a lot of times you're doing a, different stuff on FanDuel than you are on DraftKings. Let's see, go through the chat. It's going to be a short show today. I just want to let you know, because I, I got I got another show to do uh, after this. So that this... Well, we will be wrapping up somewhat soon because uh, I, I know this obviously schedules change and everything. So, uh, so get, get your, get your questions in. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joe B says, I felt over leveraged at times last night in 6k field size. Okay. I know he's listing a lineup and I'm not necessarily going to go through all of that. Uh, Ralph Malik asks, do you play 10% of overall cash roll across the sites or 10% of whatever the role is on each site? No, overall across three slides. Okay. Going through, can you go, can you go through, uh, hold on. Uh, I may, let's see. Timothy Fuller asks, what's the best way to play GPP lineups? Okay. Hold on one second. I'm getting a... I'm getting a knock. I'm getting a knock on the door. I'm getting a knock on the door. And when... Hold on. Let, let me go. Let me go figure out what's going on. And uh, and we'll, we'll be right back. Hold on. And I'm back. And obviously people in the chat are saying that, uh, yes, uh, I like what David Oak says. Blender getting his monthly apple juice delivery. Yes. I actually I actually don't get that delivered. I get toilet paper delivered. Like subscribe and save on Amazon. We get paper towels and stuff like that. But no, my wife is the one that gets it. Uh, gets that gets the apple juice. So go take care of I. I so so few people knock on the door here that uh, I, I maybe it's the cops. Maybe they're coming to get me because I'm in the one dollar FanDuel head to heads. I have no idea, but uh, but maybe maybe just had to just had to see. So uh, going through uh, some more questions today. Uh, feel free to type them into the chat. I mean, do you want to talk about today's slate? Is there something to talk about? I mean, I have lineup HQ up. Do we know what the hell is going on? Boston, do we know? Right, look how many cues and cute. Like we got. Uh, obviously, we got I, as always. LeBron and AD questionable, so you never know with that. They usually play, but maybe one of them sits. And then we got Jalen Brown. We got the Boston situation. We don't know. John Morant may be back. Bledsoe's questionable, and obviously Bledsoe is going to be dependent whether or not we can play Nikhil Alexander Walker again. I mean, I mean. Are the Cleveland, are the new guys in Cleveland there yet? Can you play Jared Allen? I'm, I don't think you play them. We don't, we don't know about that situation. And truthfully, we don't even know if all the games are going to be played, right? It could be it could be three hours from now when one of these games gets canceled, right? We know when's the next time the Wizards are going to play. We have no idea, but they're not on this slate. So, so looking at today's slate, I don't know, I don't know if that does any good this early in the morning. So that's why I answer all these strategy questions. This, these are things that that you could apply to any slate moving forward. 
Shane Bieber asks, how do you know if a late swap was plus or minus EV if it doesn't work out? I can't seem to get my swaps right. How do I judge if it was just a good move that failed or a bad move that should should have worked out? Well, I think that this is why I use results to be DB so often every day. I, I judge myself by other players that I respect. So regardless of the result, regardless of, oh, I swapped off of this guy and that guy sucked. Like, I, I don't care about the result. I want to see how many other sharper players, or if you're just looking up, you don't consider yourself a sharper player and you're like, I'm going to look through 40 different sharp players lineups and see how much they switched. If you didn't see that, if you don't see many of them switching or doing that type of thing, then maybe it was maybe it was minus EV. And if you and if you see, oh, a ton of people, a ton of people I respect, late swap to this guy or late swap to this construction, and it didn't work out. Like, what else are you going to do? Are you you made the same decision as a lot of the most profitable players in all of DFS did? That night, it didn't work out. So to me, that, to me, that's how you judge. It's, that's more of an indicator on whether or not you made good decisions versus bad decisions rather than who did well. Like Shane Milton. Oh, I made a great decision. Well, so, there were many people that played Shane, Shane Milton yesterday. Okay? If you saw a whole bunch of sharp players had you know a ton of Shane Milton and then he did well, then you could be like, oh, maybe I should have, maybe I should have been playing Shane Milton in a lineup, but you didn't see that. Steven Smith says last night, I got sixth place in the mini max. Okay. That's pretty good. I had two leverage spots, Milton and Keldon Johnson in that lineup. And the rest was chalk with the Houston and eat guys with Joe and Curry. Yep, exactly. Same type of lineups we were looking at before. That's all you needed was this two little leverage spots and you play, you play the, and there you go. You're good. Right. I mean, Milton put up one hell of a score for a 1% owned guy. So, like, that got you most of the way there. But then Keldon Johnson correlated with the Houston guys. I considered playing Keldon Johnson. He he didn't make my list. He was almost on my list. But I just didn't think I needed to. But, yeah, if you played if you played Keldon Johnson with the three Houston players, with Tate and Brown and Wood, like, that makes sense. The problem with the Spurs is that they, everyone was healthy. So it's like that could have been DeRozan, that could have been Deontay Murray, that could have been Aldridge. So it's like, which one do you choose? I think Keldon Johnson, based on our projections, was the highest projected based on salary, but he he didn't stand out to the extent of, I got to play Keldon Johnson. So, but if you took that risk, you got rewarded and, and good to you. Let's see, going through the chat. Going through the chat. Right. To, today is today lock is at not till 7:30 at night. So that's why, like, like pe- people in the chat, like Devin saying, gonna wait until 7 p.m. Eastern to start building lineups today. Because that's pretty much what you need to do in NBA. Even more so this year than other years. At least it seemed like like at least the season before, like, okay, I could start building lineups at five, five thirty Eastern which is late to some people. Some people are trying to build lineups at one o'clock in the, in the afternoon. It's like, I just want to see the 5.30 Eastern injury report. Like when that comes out, okay, now I can start building lineups. But now we're getting into the point where maybe you don't build until five minutes before lock. You know, you, you never know. People are scratched two minutes before. 
after lock, maybe not. imagine building lineups before lock. I mean, sometimes you just look at the seven o'clock game and it's the only game that the first game starts. And that's the only game you like, do I like anyone in this game? Do I need anyone in this game? And you just say, screw it. You don't play anyone. And you just basically you punt lock to another half an hour or hour. Uh, Chode Lopez asks, do you think all this value lately increases the variance? To some extent, we, we, it, it doesn't necessarily, because a lot of these guys are so underpriced that it's hard for them to fail. I mean, yes, I know I'm saying this with Ben McLemore failing, but it's hard for them to fail at their prices and their situations. Uh, the thing is, is that the variance is in every all the other spots. The variance comes into, well, I'm just going to jam in the four value plays. And now I have a 3v3 on three different studs or something. And is it going to be LeBron today or Giannis? Or is it going to be Luca? Or is it going to be Embiid? You know, it's going to be that type of thing. And that that's where the variance comes in. But I don't think it I don't think it necessarily increases it because you could still take a look at, at large field GPPs and still see bad lineups. Lineups where it's like like people didn't play any of the Rockets or the Heat. I'm like, how'd you build the lineup? How'd you build the lineup without heat or whatever? How'd you do that? Like, if you built a lineup like that, your projection was like 30 points below any, everyone else's. Like, it's almost impossible to do so. So, yeah, so it's a different, I would say it's a different type of variance. But I don't think it's in the value. I don't think that, I don't think the value is the thing that's creating the variance. Like, in and of itself, it's like, you're going to play Sterling Brown, end of story. Like, don't have to worry about it. It's in the, do you play Curry or Jokic or do you play Lillard and Sabonis? Like those two V2s, that's where the variance is. Let's see. Right, Stephen Smith says, the reason I played Keldon was I didn't like LMA or DDR. I wanted to run it back with one of the Spurs and Keldon Johnson had a positive salary adjusted value plus minus, which is what RGV is in our lineup HQ. Yeah. That's exactly what I saw. That's exactly what I saw, Stephen. But I just didn't pull the trigger on Keldon Johnson. I also wasn't playing large field GPPs. If I was playing large field, I would have played Keldon Johnson. Yes, in that type of lineup. I just didn't think I need to in the smaller field. Uh, Casey Wasik asks a good question. With FD, with FanDuel, not providing results, you know, the publicly downloadable CSVs, so we can use them in results DB. Do you have any way that you evaluate plays on there? Or do you just kind of look at the top ones, the 20s you're in to see what their construction was like? Don't look at the top lineups. Look at the top players, not the like the basketball players, the top DFS players. So if some dude, some whoever won the fan duel with the 435, I don't care about that lineup. I care about the lineups from Papa Gates. I care about the lineups from Squirrel Patrol. I care about lineups the people so look look for squirrel patrols top lineups if you're in the contest you could you could you could see everything but it's not publicly you can't you, you can't publicly download it but look in look in your contest for the top players so you'll look you're looking for those guys you're looking for brick 75 you're looking for petty theft what do their lineups look like even if they lost but you're looking through those types of people. So you're doing the same thing in Results DB. You just you have to do a little bit more manual labor. That is what I did before Results DB existed. I've been playing for a little over five years. So in 2015, we didn't have Results DB. I had to do it this way. 
I had to go, who are the, who are the good players? Let me scroll up and see what, the, what their lineups look like and go one by one and go, oh, okay, okay. Oh, that's an interesting way to go, right? And learn and learn that way. Now that we have results DB, uh, for DraftKings at least, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to do that anymore. Let's see. So many, uh, Alex says, so many NBA games getting postponed might have to start talking about some NHL DFS. That's one sport that I have not played yet. I know it's correlated. I probably could be good at it. I probably could. It's a mix between kind of, it's it's more similar to soccer and soccer I'm I'm good at. So uh, so maybe I should be playing some NHL. There's too many sports going on. I'm only one person. I'm only one person. Ronald Coley says, it seems like the optimizers think that every low price guy with minutes will do well. It's not the optimizer. The optimizer is just a tool. I guess it's up to us to make a stand on who we will pick. I think that made Macklemore easy to fade last night. Now, Macklemore projected as one of the highest plays on the slate. That's not the optimizer. That's the projections. There's two different things. An optimizer is just a tool. It's a calculator. The projections are the numbers that you put into the calculator. So it either they project well, or they don't project well. Macklemore was being projected for 32 plus minutes at a certain usage rate. And he just, he didn't do anything. He took a bunch of shots. He didn't make. Uh, let's see. Ke- Kevin Kalen asks, what position do you target for the utility spot on DraftKings? I assume either, either PG or center. And can you explain a quick draft format? I, I, I don't play the quick draft format. DraftKing allows multiple PG, SG. It's confusing. Uh, I don't, I don't target any specific position. Positions don't matter. Projections matter, right? I'm going to click this button based on our 1023 projections on DraftKings. This is the highest projected lineup, 280.87, right? I could build 50 lineups right now, right? I'm going to build 50 using fantasy points. That's what all, this is all I'm looking at. I don't care. It just so happens that's Cauley Stein and Vucher in this lineup, right? Take a look right here. The highest projected lineup, 280.87, median-wise. Then 279.42. It has a it has a it has Eric Bledsoe as a shooting guard. It has a set center center. Center center. Center center. I mean, it just it's it just so happens to be that they're projected well. Paul George there. So the, the positions don't matter. I don't I'm not targeting a position. I'm targeting how could I how could I jam as many projected points as I can into my lineups? Boban Novocevic, Vooch Leonard, with Okoji and Culver, which I, not necessarily I would want to play together, but I mean you can. Tristan Thompson Vucevic. So yeah, it just so happens they got two centers here. We got Randall Bledsoe, and Randall's also power forward eligible. Tristan Thompson Bledsoe. So you don't even have a big time center, but you have Jam- John Morant in this lineup and Jalen Brown. But of course, all these lineups depend on if any of these guys. I mean, what's going on with the Celtics and the Pelicans? We have no idea, right? So I don't care about the position. I just care about just give me as many points as possible. I would, it just so happens that it's a power forward in my utility. Then it, that's a power forward in my utility. It's a, doesn't really matter. The positions don't matter. Same for same for FanDuel. Should you pay up at center? Should you pay down at center? Well, it depends on the, the full lineup that you're making. Is there a way to pay down at center and have a better 
I have a better lineup. I mean, you could do the same thing on FanDuel. Like, I'll bring this over. Bring a FanDuel lineup HQ. And we could do the same thing. I'll pull 50 lineups with our, whatever, 10.23 a.m. projections. With no settings and no nothing. And Vooch. We could take a look at center. So look, 66% of these 50 lineups are Vooch at center. Mitchell Robinson was more of a pay down option at 6,000. So you could build good lineups this way. So let's look at the top. Vooch lineup is 323.19. The top Mitchell Robinson is 323.03. Right? The difference between the two lineups is, is, is right. And you see the, the, the change. In the Vooch lineup, you're paying down for Kobe, George Hill and Kobe White or something like that. And Mitchell Robinson won. Now you're getting Fox and Conley. You're paying up more. So it's like a 3v3 or even maybe even a 4v4. So it's a 3v3 and the difference between the lineups is 0.16 median, which is barely anything. This is what I mean by lineups, not players. So who do I play in the center spot? What, what depends on the rest of your lineup? Capella. You have Capella at 6,400. What do those lineups look like? 321. So you're going to have to, in order to play the best Capella lineup, sacrifices two points in projection. Now, once you get ownership, you could see, are you going to get enough leverage for giving up those two points based on who you have in the lineup? Aaron Gordon may be lower today on FanDuel. It depends. George Hill probably is not going to be well-owned on FanDuel. So maybe the two points, a projection that you're sacrificing is, is worth the leverage. But you can only get that once, once we get ownership. We don't have ownership yet. But that's what you'd be doing, right? The first Rudy Gobert lineup is at 322 at 8,000. 322. Jonas Valanciunas, 322. The top one. Obviously, there's you know you could scroll down for the 50 lineups. But that's what you're doing. The position doesn't matter. Now, obviously, on FanDuel, you have strict positional requirements. On DraftKings, you don't. You could play. You know, if, some, if a guy's shooting guard and small forward eligible, you can play him in, like, five different spots, right? Small forward, shooting guard, the guard utility, the forward utility, and the utility utility. Allows you to make a lot more combinations. On FanDuel, you can't make as many. So don't think in terms of positions. Think in terms of full lineups. Obviously, you need to play at least one of each of these types of positions. But since so many players are multi-position eligible, there are a lot of combinations that you can make. So try to play the best combinations. Find some way to put someone. A lot of times, the hardest position to fill is small forward. The least amount of players are eligible at small forward. Because a lot of point guards are also shooting guard eligible. And a lot of power forwards are also center eligible, but you don't get as many of the, the SFPFs, as many of the SGSFs, right? You don't get as many of them. So a lot of times on, on you're either punting there or you're paying up there. You try, you try, you're doing the best you can. Like Jalen Brown, right? I mean, we take a look at small forward. Okaji, is Bledsoe now small forward eligible on DraftKings? That would be nice. Is he? Did I, is something I didn't notice? No, he's just shooting guard eligible, just showing that way on lineup HQ, I believe. 
But yeah, you look here, it's Jetty Osman. If Jalen Brown doesn't play, he's not, you know, Culver, a Koji, you get those types of guys. You're just like, I don't want to play these guys, but they fit in that spot. I mean, it's kind of the same on FanDuel. Same thing with the small forward position. A lot of times, like when Giannis used to be small forward eligible, it's like you're just playing Giannis every slate. Now LeBron is there. So a lot of times you're paying up because there's really nothing there. A couple more questions, but so before we get out of here, let's see. Uh, does Roto Grinder still give out the tournament links for FanDuel? I couldn't find them. Usually it's in the forum. I'm not sure. If you go to the tournament links in the forum, that would be fine. Uh, let's see. Lincoln Biller 22. Why do you always play the same exact lineup as 50 other people? Because I'm using the Roto Grinders projections. So if you're if you if you're using if you're using the same projections as other people, you're most likely going to be on the same lineup. That's 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 how projections work. I mean, I could I could download the Roto Grinders projections and throw them into Excel and use a solver and do the same thing as Lineup HQ does. Does it mean you play the top medium projected lineup? No. A lot of times it's an unbalanced lineup. That yes, it may have the most highest median projection, but it may not be. It may not be the the most stable of lineups for cash games. But uh, if you played it out a million times, that would technically, if your projection model is good, uh, that would technically be the highest EV lineup you could play. So yes, if you're using the same projections, you're going to get for for when it comes to cash games, you're going to get very similar lineups or exactly the same lineup as other people. Uh, Chris L asks, do you find the field gets sharper as the year goes on? Or do you reduce volume at any point during the season? I don't think the field gets sharper. I think that the weakest players quit. So that by, by, by definition, that means the field gets sharper, but I don't think it's because players are got, have gotten better. It's that the weakest links that are playing get, you know, go broke. They get tired of losing. So yes, later in the year, It'd be less weaker competition, but I could ju- I could judge that by, by by the play. You know, does it doesn't mean I reduced my volume at any point during the season? I could, I would have have to assess it at that point. But yes, typically in the beginning of seasons, you get like the weakest players jump in, right? Everyone jumps in. Ah, I love to play NBA DFS, and then you know two months later they're like, ah, I'm I'm sick of losing, so they stop playing. Let's see. Going through, can you explain your thinking when you go into creating leverage from Brad Last? Uh, I mean, that's way too long. What I would suggest, if you want to get into my thinking, is go get the theory of DFS. The theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. It's me in your pocket. It's me in your pocket. You could refer to it. Many people have said they've listened to it multiple times. It's a game theory that applies to every sport. So it's not just NBA or MLB or NFL. It's everything. If you want to learn about things like correlation, leverage, learning how to read player projections, how, how, how did projections work? What are the objectives of the game? The true mathematical objectives of the game. What relative value is, you know, exploits in head to heads, exploits in large field tournaments. I mean, the table of contents is right here. Like ton, it's it's all the math and game theory of DFS split into 
a whole bunch of chapters. It's me and James are cool. It's like going to a seminar. So it's it's not really an audio book. It's more like, ah, oh, you showed up to a two-day seminar, you know, with some PowerPoint slides or whatever. And I'll teach you the, the, the game theory of all of DFS, regardless of the sport. So that's the best way to get into my mind. Right, people are talking about cash games versus GPPs. Yeah, and cash, you more likely you're going to choose the the uh, the higher owned play. You don't need leverage in in cash games. You don't you don't you don't worry about that. You just want the best, bet the maximize your probability of getting a fifty fifth percentile outcome in a double up. That's it. Any extra points you get don't don't mean anything. Oh, uh, let's see. Right, because Jesse Atfield says, I know McCool, you know, my co-author, does his cash lineups only based on ownership. The player isn't highly owned, he fades. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You could do it that way, right? You could look and say, who, what is the, how do I jam in the most ownership into my lineup based on your projected ownership? And then if that lineup happens to be the fifth highest from the median, like that may be, that may be uh, a lower variance lineup, a, the best reduced variance lineup to play that. And that may be the best choice. It may actually be the best choice other than a lineup that is 0.2 higher than it, but that's just for cash games and GPPs. You, you don't, you don't concern yourself with that. You actually want to do the opposite. You don't, you don't mind taking a lower median projection as long as you're gaining a, you know, a lower ownership on top of it. Uh, Rob B says it's just math with DFS, especially basketball. Yes. Basketball is the lowest variant sport. So it, it, it's more evident than the high variant sports like baseball with home runs and football with touchdowns. And obviously PGA and MMA, it's kind of like, if they don't make the cut. They're dead, right? In MMA, they don't win. They're, you know, you, they're not going to be in the optimal lineup. Okay. So, uh, on your way out the door. On your way out the door for the week, for the week. It's kind of ca- casual Fridays. What do we call Friday? Freaky Fridays? Forgettable Friday. Maybe it's forgettable Fridays. Maybe maybe that's what we should be calling it. Uh, well, ho- hopefully, as always, if you're not in my contests, you know, I wish the best of luck to you. But uh, if you're in my contests, you know, I come first and then you come second. So that's fine. So if you win the mini Mac, I can't play it on DraftKings. I want you to do well. So hit the thumbs up button on the way out. The thummy thumbs, hit the subscribe scribes, hit the notification belly bells, all the stuff that you do here on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening later on the podcast feed, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, if, if you want more into the, the game theory of DFS, regardless of sport, go and pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player by me and James McCool at theoryofdfs.com. And I'll, I'm, James will be on, on on Mondays, right? Mondays with McCool, McCool Mondays. So uh, see you then on Monday. I'm Jordan Cooper. And this has been another episode of the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com. Grinders.com.